This is The Adoption Wait, a podcast brought to you by Adopting.com. I am your host, Lacey Richter, author, business owner, and a mom of two through domestic infant adoption who has endured the adoption wait five times over. Hello and welcome everyone to the Adoption Wait podcast. If you've been listening for a while, you may have realized that all my guests are adoptive parents that I have personally connected with throughout my journey in the adoption process. So I am incredibly excited to welcome my guest, Stephanie Casabon. Stephanie and I connected a few years back through a group for adoptive moms. We're both girl moms, woohoo! And we are both published authors, which I think is incredibly interesting. So welcome, Stephanie, and thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Hi, Lacey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm delighted to be here and, and share about adoption with you. Yeah, it's been a while since we've caught up. I'm thinking maybe almost a year, and I just keep loving how this podcast is pushing me to reconnect with all my adoptive mom friends. So yay for the podcast also. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Stephanie, I, you are a certified professional coach, and I read on your website that your gift is finding possibility within the seemingly impossible and empowering your clients to live fully into their potential. And when I read that, I thought, well, that sounds like something every waiting adoptive parent could definitely use more of. So today we're going to talk a little bit about how to empower waiting adoptive parents to take their life back when they're waiting. Because we both know from experience, it's really easy to let the waiting sort of paralyze you into this holding state, Um, or you can choose to really use it to grow and learn. So Stephanie, let's start with the story of how you became a mom through adoption and the question that every waiting adoptive parent always wants to know, how long did you wait? (laughs) Uh, well, thanks again for having me, Lacey. I'm, I'm just so excited to share. So um, how did I become a mom? So <laughs> yeah, loaded question, right? It um, surely is. Well, I'll start by saying what you said, which is I'm a girl mom too. And I'll start, I'll start with what's present, right? I, I'm a girl mom. My daughters are seven and a half and nine and a half. And we welcome them both through domestic infant adoption in the United States. Um, yes. I should say that I'm joining you from France. So yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little piece of our journey too. Um, but as far as becoming a mom, you know, when I was a kid, I loved children, loved them, you know, and um, everybody called me the little mother, you know, and I had nieces and nephews that were younger than me. And I was constantly always taking charge of them and um, just wanting to be a caretaker, you know, and in fact, I started babysitting at 10, which is clearly unheard of now, like nobody would (laughs) trust a 10 year old with their their young children. But no, my first um, my first child uh, outside of family was uh, a two-year-old little girl named Annie. And she, um, and, and I was 10, you know, and I would go wow. after school after fifth grade and I would go to her house and I'd watch her for two hours until her mom was a teacher. Um, and, and I say this story because 
I always knew when I played, I had children. Do you know what I mean? Like I always knew I was going to be a mom. Always. And, and this comes into play, you know, with where I am in my current life, which is I never really imagined actually even being pregnant. Right. Like I never imagined the actual process, but I was always with children. Right. Interesting. I tell you that because what took me down the adoption path was um, at the age of 28, I was given a really rare diagnosis, was a lung diagnosis. Um, and when I say rare, I mean like there were 800 women in the country that had it. Um, wow. It's female um, centric, uh, hormone related, and um, pregnancy is, is ill-advised. And back then, which was 2004, it was actually contraindicated, you know, because- okay. uh, obviously the stress on the lungs, right? Anybody um, who's been pregnant would tell you, you know, that it gets to be a lot, right? Um, And the shortness of breath, right? So I I skipped past that only because I was said, um, you know, pregnancy is not really an option for you. Right. At 28, I admittedly wasn't at a point in my life where I was thinking about that. And I knew very well from a young age that like I was going to be a mom. You know, and so the pieces didn't uh, compute. I didn't know what it meant, but I was certainly, um, I was certainly like, oh, you know, and at the same time I was like, well, there's other ways to be a mom. It like immediately came to me, like there's other ways, you know, and, and so, um, you know, I put a pin in that because I was obviously dealing with a, a grave diagnosis and, um, you know, there was a, a life expectancy situation that I had to deal with, um, which I've, I've surpassed at this point, but back then in 2004, you know, they had less information. And so, you know, my path to being a mother really didn't start, um, until 10 years after that, because wow. I didn't know how long, you know, my life expectancy was in fact, and right. I know there's other women who go, through the adoption process too, after having chemotherapy and, and other things as well, other challenging health considerations. Right. And so there was this piece of like, well, I want to be a healthy mother. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to just, Oh yeah. You know, and I want to be around, I want to, you know, and so there was this unknown period. Um, and then once I really, you know, well, I reached that milestone. It was 10 years since the diagnosis. And I thought, you know what? I'm still thriving. Yeah. And um, at that point I'd been married um, like three and a half years. And when I met my husband, I, um, I told him on the first date. Wow. Not, <laughs> not having children um, in, in, you know, in the traditional sense. And he said to me before I even shared my visions of non-traditional families, he said, well, perhaps we would adopt. I mean, it's like first date stuff. And you're thinking, yeah, yeah, well, this is, you know, this is very bizarre. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I actually really appreciated the, um, it wasn't a quip, like a throwaway, but there was levity to it, you know, and I really appreciated that, which is like, you know, life is what we make of it. And, you know, mm-hmm. and that's part of the possibility within the seemingly impossible. Like we only, you know, People always say, well, it is what it is, right? Mm. Well, sometimes you only see what you see. 
Yeah. You know, and if we can enhance our perspective a little bit, you know, zoom out and really take in, you know, there's more there. There really is. Absolutely. Um, It's just, it's just hard to see it sometimes, you know? Yeah. I love the zoom out thought. Like sometimes we're way too zoomed in to see the rest. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so we, um, we were in agreement when we got married in um, 2008, in fact, that we were going to adopt. And it was in the fall of 2012 that we actually moved forward with it. And by that point, um, you know, surrogacy had kind of made its, you know, um, at least with my lung condition, there were some women who were pursuing surrogacy. And for me, um, it just wasn't an avenue I wanted to pursue, you know, mm-hmm. um, my husband and I were on the same page and we, uh, we really felt strongly, just like I felt strongly that I wanted to be a healthy mother and to be there. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted them to know that, you know, they weren't plan B after surrogacy for me, you know I mean? That yeah. was important. And if we right. wanted to do surrogacy down the road, we could, right. But mm-hmm. it was important for us to, um, to move forward with the adoption first. And so we completed our profile, home study, everything, um, like November, 2012. Mm -hmm. And our daughter was born in August. No, well, I'm sorry. Our daughter was born in July and we got the call in August. Of 2013. Of 2013. So we're looking at about nine months. Yeah. Stephanie, this is so fun. Every time we talk, I realize how much our timelines, how much we have in common and how much our timelines align because my daughter was born in August of 2013. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we, so, so for our listeners, Stephanie and I didn't know each other while we were waiting. We met after we were adoptive moms, but literally every time we speak, I'm like, we were on the exact same timeline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. so well, a nine month wait for you, nine month wait for me. And you know, to get into the nitty gritty a little bit, why not? You know, that's what we're here for. That's right. It wasn't, it wasn't seamless, right? Um, it there was a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of disappointment, a lot of confusion, uh, yeah. a lot of a lack of support. You know, yes. uh, no, uh, no community, right? Um, all the things, right, that, that, that we talk about now, um, you know, admittedly in 2013, um, I wasn't on, or 2012, I wasn't on social media. And so mm-hmm. I didn't even really know, I don't know if this adoption community really existed back then. I mean, for you, um, were you on, I, like, I, I didn't know that this support, or maybe it didn't exist yet. I'm not sure. What are your yeah. I actually don't know either. Um, I was online a little bit, but not to the point that I see now um, lots of, you know, adoptee voices and birth mom voices and everything that they are now bringing to the table and helping us um, grow and learn through. That was not available to me that I know of in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. So, you know, and, and how wonderful to, to now be a part of that community, right. And, and to share yeah. those spaces. And I know you and I talk about this a lot, that we are constantly learning now. I mean, our daughters are nine and a half, right? And, yeah. you know, 
you know, I, I always say, you know, the adoption journey isn't until baby, the adoption journey is for life, right? And you That's and I are right. still learning and still growing and still creating space for expansion and connection and, uh, and unlearning something that maybe a few years ago was working, but now we have to relearn, right? And, and um, reframe even. Um, That's right. What we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So then what about your, um, after your daughter was born in August, 2013, Mm -hmm. um, that precious, you know, time when you brought her home, but still, you know, lots of confusion and and chaos with a newborn. And then when did you guys decide we're going to do this again? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, gosh, when was that? I'm trying to think it, my husband initiated the conversation. I remember, and I want to say, Evelie, that's my daughter's, uh, my older daughter's name. I want to say she was about 14 months old. Yeah. And he initiated the conversation and he said something like, you know, mm-hmm. um, it took us nine months last time. We don't yeah. know. It could be yeah. longer. And back then, again, we didn't really have community and you kind of think, well, maybe if you already have a family, they won't choose you. Do you know? Yeah, like, thought here. Um, so he thought, well, maybe it could take longer. We don't know. Um, and, you know, I have two sisters and we're each two years apart. And he's, um, his sister is three years older. You know, so I think we both wanted kind of that range, right? Two to three years difference between um, our children. And so... Uh, what we did the second time was we actually went straight to the attorney who finalized our adoption. Um, Because admittedly, there was less pressure, right? Admittedly, there was um, much more of a relaxed approach, right? I think there's this piece about like, starting your family. Do you know what I mean? Which the urgency that first time through gets so overwhelming, do you know? Um, And the learning from that, that you go into your second or, or after with, you know, I think that the pressure is less for you to, um, you know, do all the things do you know yeah. what I mean? If I do all the things means like, you know, I think there's this, I got to do everything to increase my chances. But the reality is, is it's still out of your control. I think it's just yeah. the second time you're just more willing to accept that because you have a, right. a child, you know, that is occupying most of your time and your thoughts right. and energy, right? Yeah. You're a little yeah. distracted the second time. Exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I want to say, you know, so we had that conversation, Evelyn was about 14 months old, which should have been about September. So I think we called our attorney, um, maybe, maybe end of September, October, I'm going to say. And basically what we said was, um, well, he and I got very clear first, um, with the learning because we had two with, before Evelyn was born, we did have two matches that Mm -hmm. didn't move forward. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's always learning with that. Right. And, um, and so what we did the second time was we said, you know, our family, right. To the attorney, 
we're not going to, we have our home study, right? But otherwise we're not engaging an agency or any other help. Um, if a woman comes to you, right? And you feel like our family would be a good fit. We just gave him permission to show our profile. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? We just kind of like said, do you know, we, we trust the process. We yeah. trust the woman who's, who's making this decision. And, um, and we don't want to try to control it. Right. Cause I think there was a lot in that, like we talked about the first time around, there's so much you feel yeah. like you can control, but, um, it's a bit of an illusion. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm over here smiling and nodding because again, that is exactly how we pursued our second adoption. That was ex- our exact feelings. Um, there was a social worker we were working with and we had a few matches in between that didn't move forward. And so we went to her and said, here's what we need. We want, you know, our family, you know, what works best for us. And you just kind of had to step out and, um, trust the process. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, you talk about like embracing that uncertainty of the waiting process and enjoying the ride. We talked about that in pre-interview. I know a lot of our listeners are still probably struggling with that uncertainty. Uncertainty is something, you know, I struggle with still on a daily basis. Uh, I like to know the path ahead. I like to stay on the trail. That's just how I, (laughs) I go about life. But tell me, about sort of the point in your adoption weight when you realized you needed to like shift your mindset from dreading that uncertainty to actually enjoying the ride. Yeah. And it's a really good, good question because, you know, I want to first say that while I did know a friend from graduate school who had adopted her daughter, um, she wasn't immediately in my circle when I was going through the process. Yeah. And I think it's important to say that I really didn't have anyone to lean on. I didn't have mm. anyone to kind of help me refocus. I didn't have anyone where I could just sit in a room and have a tea like you who could yeah. get it, you know, with no words spoken, we know, Yeah. You know, just the knowing. And I didn't have that the first time around. Right. And so this part about enjoying the ride, you know, in, in being fair and realistic, like, I think it's in the second time, mm-hmm. right. That I was really able to do, you know, it's like, I didn't have anybody to give me a blueprint. And I think that's part of, you know, the reason why you're creating this space to have these beautiful conversations, right. Is because, we didn't have, um, you know, other parents who were kind of shaping like this narrative that is like, it's really important, you know, fill your cup now, because when baby comes, like, it's going to be a long time till you get to fill your cup. You know what I mean? Like there's that right. piece. Yeah. Right? Your cup's going to be in the microwave and you're going to forget where it is when baby comes. Yeah. And it's like, you don't want to be so drained and so low energetically when you get the call that like, now you're just operating on a adrenaline, right? Like it's like, you know, and so in fairness, um, the enjoy part 
um, came a few days before my daughter was born, actually. <laughs> You know, and, and so the first time and then the second time, right? Like, like I had the knowing, right? Because I had the experience, but it was, we had had um, a, a disruption, like a second disruption. And in, in um, and Josh and I just kind of were like, we're doing something wrong here. Do you know what I mean? Like energetically, like, what are we forcing here? You know, and, and we actually have this thing between us, you know, when things get like a little tense or, you know, um, people start to energetically between, you know, when, you know, you're married, like we've been married. I don't even, I don't even know how many years now. <laughs> 2008, I can't do the math, but anyway, it's like, are we forcing or are we flowing? Oh, say that again. I love that. Are we forcing or are we flowing? Yeah. And, you know, when you're on a river, like there are plenty of times, you know, when you're like, oh, isn't it just, it's like glass, you know, and it's smooth sailing, you know, and you know what, there's rapids for a bit. Oh, and guess what? You got caught in a little whirlpool. You kind of go around, but eventually you make your way out. You know, like life, I feel like is very much like it, the river. And what makes life hard is when we try to go, like force ourselves upstream. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just, um, if we can settle in and that's part of the enjoying the ride, you know, that's the visual I like. It's like a river, like just, let's just, you know, do our best to enjoy it. There's going to be bumps, of course. Right. Um, and if we look in hindsight at all of the bumps we've had in our lives, like that's where we glean the most um, knowledge, right? That's really yeah. what forms like who we step in and be after that, you know, it's yeah. hard to get through. Sure. But the other side, do you know? Yeah. Um, and so and I think when I hear you talking about this, it's so funny because not funny, but anytime I connect with a, an adoptive parent, um, the stories are so different, but they're still the same. And it's like the um, things that came out of the forcing or the flowing, what they've learned about that and what they create afterwards. Um, like you created your coaching program and you wrote your book and I wrote my book and I have this podcast. The things that come after um, we sort of go down this river, um, those things are very, very beautiful. Yeah, they are. Um, so I notice online, I now see this movement of empowerment coaches, life coaches. I've even seen adoption coaches, and that was not a thing in 2013. So what role do you think a coach like yourself or an adoption coach could play um, for those who are waiting to adopt? Yeah, Um a good question you know and, and you're right there are coaches for everything right now do you know what I mean like there really are um and at the same time um you know it's a bit of a buzz word and I think it's really important to um to know what it is you need right uh before yeah. seeking out coaching and and I say that because um Coaching isn't consulting, you know, coaching isn't mentoring even, you know, coaching is really about 
going on a journey with a client or clients, because sometimes there are parents, right? Two people that come if, if, if adoption coaching is what we're talking about and um, taking that individual or individuals on a journey to really get at the heart of what's, what, what's block there's, you know, what's, what's blocking. And usually it's a limiting belief or a, a unexpressed fear, right? And it's about helping them untangle that, you know, mm. um, it is about, you know, whether it's uh, creating a family, finding joy, uh, I'm not fulfilled, you know, whatever the reason the person is coming, right? And so for me specifically, I can speak about my kind of coaching, right? Like my kind of coaching isn't going to be like a necessarily um, like an accountability coaching, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's not like, I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z and then come back and like, you know, I'm going to do it because I'm paying you, you know, if there are those kinds of coaches and that's great. Yes. Um, the kind of coaching I do is more on like, not on what you're doing, but on who you're being. Hmm. Right. And like, I think if we can get clear on who we're being today, like, like today, February 3rd, for example, like who am I being versus like, who do I want to be? Yeah. You know, who, who do I see myself as versus how am I showing up today? Where's the gap? Mm-hmm. And if I can understand that, then the doing takes care of itself. Yeah. But if we don't express or ever really articulate our ideal version of ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. we have to be in full acceptance of how we're showing up. But yet we also have, have this ideal of like our life right? What's super fulfilling? What's our biggest dream? What does it look like? And if we can get clear on those things, then we know, then, then it's just about bridging that gap. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. Um, you know, I want to talk about, ask you about something. I had these list of things while I was waiting, um, that I sort of avoided. And there were things like, baby showers. Um, so I avoided social media a little bit in the beginning of my wait. I didn't want to see how many of my friends were like, oops, popping up pregnant again and again and again. Um, were there any things like that, that you found you had to avoid to sort of protect your peace, keep that hope up, And, and also on the other side, were there some things that you invited into your weight that helped you maintain hope while you were waiting? 100%. For for us, it was having conversations with people who don't get it. Like that, that we we just, we just, it was a full stop. Do you know what I mean? And it it was not about educating. And I want to make that clear because I think, you know, we're in the space, especially on social media, where it's really important to advocate and to have here in in all voices and that, and and I support that. But what I'm talking about is like your personal journey and like your, you go to catch up with even your best friend who doesn't get it. And they're, you know, like there's just this emotional drain to even share where you're at in the house. Right. And so <clears throat> even your family, right. I just said, best friend, but my mother, right. Mm-hmm. It's just like, mm-hmm. we had to stop sharing. Yes. That was hard, 
right? That was hard to like stop sharing with your closest people, but the reality was they didn't get it. It moves too fast. You know, mm. the information, the whatever's happening, you know, if somebody's looking at your profile or not, and you know, by the time you share that and somebody gets back to you, well, it's already been a no and a pass and whatever else, you know what I mean? That's it's just, right. you know, <laughs> we live it with that person or the, you know, it's like uh, full stop. Yeah. So in answer to your question of what we did do is um, we actually sought out community. And now I'm so happy to see that this is happening, especially online. But at the time, I didn't know where to go. And I had gotten a few books, but it was, you know, it was what it was. So the agency who had done our um, home study in, in Los Angeles at the time, I called them and I was like, we need to, we need a community. Exactly what you're saying. We need, um, we don't know anybody going through this process and we need a community. So we actually joined classes with other parents who were um, fostering, in fact, we started joining the classes just to learn about all mm. things adoption, all things fostering, all things about kids and separation and preverbal trauma and, and, and you know, trauma of, of even adolescence and, and even um, young toddlers, right? Like the whole thing. And we were just like, we just need to be in community with people that are going through this kind of daily uncertainty and daily heartbreak um, in order to create a family. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And so we found that, um, that, you know, through that, and I'm so proud of us in hindsight for seeking that out. Like, I was like, what can we do? And um, I'm I'm really proud that we did that. Some of our most impactful learning um, came from those classes, you know? Um, Sure, I read books, but like being sitting there with other families, you know, going through the process like that that was, that was so valuable. Yeah. And I, I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. And it's funny because as adults, it's really awkward to try to go out and make friends. It really is, but you've got to put yourself out there. And like you said, like contact the adoption professional you're working with. Um, I know we all have a love hate relationship with social media, but you can really find and connect with some other waiting adoptive parents on social media. And I highly recommend, I I probably talk about this with every episode. If you're a waiting adoptive parent, find a family that you can connect with Um, because there is nothing like walking alongside someone else on that journey um, to help push you along and keep you encouraged and cry with you and laugh with you. And uh, a couple of episodes again in uh, ago in November, I did a, my guest's name was Julie and Julie was an adoptive mom that we met together at our agency's training. And she lived like two miles from me and she, she had already adopted once Um, they had a toddler. And so she was sort of my mentor and she went through the process with me and um, I am forever grateful for her in that process. So I absolutely agree. Um, Stephanie, before we sort of wrap up, I want to talk about your book and I have it here. No one can see it, but if I share a little video, here's the book. Love. Yeah, here we go. We'll put this one. My family takes, this book off the bookshelf quite often for reading time. Uh, What I love about it, I'll tell you, is the diversity of the characters. 
Um, too often I open up books and I'm staring at a lot of white faces and my family um, is transracial. My children are uh, black and biracial. My husband and I are white. I love the diversity in the um, characters. I love that it includes birth families. Um, I love that it encourages a child to bring up their concerns and their struggles to you, to mom. Um, and I love that it points out that mamas make mistakes because in our house, mama like makes a lot of mistakes. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, I just want to ask you, did you always know you would write a book or how did that idea of writing this book come to you? Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so actually I, I, I am a writer and I've been writing for a long time. I actually have a novel that's like been on my daughter's nine and a half. It's been on a slow burn since before she was born, you know, let's be oh my gosh, me too. You see, I'm telling you, we are like so connected here. It's so aligned. Um, and, um, so writing has always been something like a creative outlet for me that I have enjoyed. Um, but it's always just been for me, right? This was the first published thing that I had done other than like a blog post on my site. And what happened was, um, Evelie was about six months old. Mm. And I had just read um, a book um, for adoptive parents. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my heart was heavy, Mm. you know, because I was reading a lot about, um, you know, some challenges that can come up for our children, right? Um, and attachment being one of them, right? Or lack thereof. And um, sometimes how it doesn't show until later in life and within different relationships and stuff. And yeah. I remember looking at her and I just wanted her to know, you know, that I'd always be there no matter what, you know, yeah. no matter what. And I actually wrote a poem that day. And um, so I wrote a poem for her. She was six months old and I slid it in a book for her. Do you know what I mean? And like, like that yeah. was it. You know what I mean, I just yeah. wrote it for her. She would find it someday. And she would know it's for her. And so, so no, it wasn't a book, you know, but that though, those four stanzas, you know, my book is in rhyme, as you know, and yes, I love while the book isn't the poem, the poem inspired the book, right? And yeah. so when my younger daughter, Willow, when she um, started preschool, she was three years old. And I remember taking her, her first day to preschool was a half day. And I was going to a coffee shop and I was, my husband had just brought me a new laptop and I was like, I'm back to my novel. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know like Willow's three, at least five, like five years later, I'm back to my novel. And I sat down and like, it was like a blinking cursor. And all I could think about was, Willow and, and Evelie, of course, and, and my girls and like, you know, oh my gosh. And I hope, I hope they're doing okay. And I started just thinking about this idea of like, how do I reassure them? How do I know there's this, the kissing hand? I don't know if you know that book, but it's about yeah. The, yeah. the girl kisses the hand. And I had read that to Willow before she went to preschool. And I don't know, I just kind of started thinking about that and thinking, and I just started writing that day. Willow's wow. first, first day of preschool. And I was, and I pulled out the poem I'd written for Evelie and I looked at it and, you know, specific to her, there were certain things. And I was like, but now there's Willow, right? Cause when I wrote that, you know, uh, Willow wasn't born yet. And so I started thinking about it in broader terms. And um, just like you said, it was so important for me to reach moms. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's what I know, right? I'm not equipped to write a story for fathers and fathers' feelings and like all the things. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, a lot of books at that time, and remember this is like 2017, what I was finding were very specific stories, right? Mm-hmm. When I saw you in the hospital, you yeah. know, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, with Emily, we, we, we didn't see her at the hospital. Right. And so one time I read her a story like that. And I remember she kind of asked me about it and it started all these questions of like, you know, it was actually fear of who was with me and, you know, right. Like very real. And I was like, Oh gosh, you know? And so for this book, I was like, I want this to be like, whether you find your children through, um, you know, a fostering situation that turns into an adoption situation, whether you go internationally, whether it's domestic, whether it's, you know, uh, step parent adoption, right? Yeah. Or, or, or another, like, I just wanted it to be able to be about a mother and a child. Yeah. Right. And that love that is there, no matter what. Right. And, and the theme, like we talked about at the beginning, that it, the adoption isn't just the piece till they get to us, right? That's right. It, it's for life. And some of these questions and some of these concerns, right? They may not come until later, right? But we're here and we're open and we want to have this dialogue with them and answer any questions they have and support their feelings and, um, and encourage them to, to go out into this big, beautiful world. Yeah. And know that we're, we're waiting by the shore for whenever they, they want to come back, you know, That's we right. Used to fly, right. Yeah. What a great job you did on it. And I know um, when we were waiting to adopt our adoption agency always um, recommended to us that we talk to our children before they can speak before they open their eyes, we talk to them about adoption. And so I had, uh, you know, my husband and I spent lots of time when they were newborns and, and, and it didn't really feel like it made sense at the time to be talking to them. But, you know, you're reading to them, you're singing to them, whatever. What a great book to have right on the side of that baby bed when you're rocking and reading and talking to them. What a great book to have to start reading to them, to share their story with them and how they came to your family and talking about adoption from the very beginning. This is a great book to have right now. Um, and all, and always it still comes up. It, it, it brings up um, when we read it, it brings up lots of questions and lots of adoption discussion, which we um, encourage in our homes and at our dinner tables. Um, so I love your book. We're going to be doing a giveaway for your book on our Instagram page. If you guys are listeners and you're not following the Adoption Weight Instagram page yet, go and do that because we're going to share a giveaway for uh, Stephanie's book. And we're going to be sharing. You'll know when all the episodes come out. And Stephanie, let us know because we're going to wrap up soon. Where can we find you online? Where can we find information about you? Uh, you can find information. The name of my children's book is adoption is love. And so it's adoptionislove.com. That's where you can find information about me, the book, my coaching, um, all the things. And then as far as the book goes, it's literally available everywhere books are sold, right? So you can get it on barnesandnoble.com. You can get it on your favorite bookseller in town. If you want to support, you know, small shops and, you know, you just tell them the book and I'm sure they can get it for you. So perfect. 
Thank you. And so before we wrap up, I always ask all my guests, can you share three practical tips for those that are waiting to adopt something they can use, they can start doing right now to keep them hopeful and living and enjoying that ride while they're waiting? Yes. Okay. I'm going to give you the the first one's the most fun, which is make a bucket list, right? Or make a, like a dream list. Like, like what's your biggest dream, right? Like, Mm -hmm. what is it? Like get clear on it right before you, before your child arrives, right? Know what it is really. And and it could shift later and that's okay. But like, give yourself permission to dream big, right? Uh, I think that would be number one. Number two would be, I would say, um, Hmm. I think at the question of if I wasn't going through the adoption process right now, mm. what would I be doing? Ooh, that's a good one. So as you notice, like these are kind of coaching questions, right? Yes, I, I have noticed. Action <laughs> items, but they're really coaching questions. But I think that they're really powerful because it gets you to think. And it's just like, and then the answer to like, what would I be doing right now? Then the next question, the follow-up would be, and what's keeping you from going forward? Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that that's, I would love to have heard that, you know, because I think sometimes it's like, oh, self-care, you know, which is fine, but it's in the immediate. And I think we, like we were talking about like our cup and really filling up and really tapping into our soul and, and things like that. And the third one is going to be the most challenging question, but I would say, um, sit with yourself and ask yourself, what does your future child most need you to learn right now? Ooh. And then go do that. You see, because yeah. coaching is about tapping into you. Your question, your answer to that question is different than my answer to that question, which is different than this other person. But we all have an answer to that question. And that's what's beautiful, right? We yeah. all have something that we could, we could um, go learn. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I am going to put those three in the show notes. And then I did forget to mention you sent me a document, um, a download that you're going to have available on your website. And it's three must haves for a healthy adoption journey. I love it. I think it is every waiting adoptive parent needs it. So we're going to put that in the show notes so they can go get that from you. And we'll also be sharing some of that on our Instagram page. So listeners be looking out for all of these resources that Stephanie is providing for us. And we just want to thank you for your time today. I know um, this is going to be a great episode and our waiting adoptive parents are going to be very encouraged. So thank you, Stephanie, so much. Oh, thank you, Lacey, for having me. And thank you for inviting me. It's been such a pleasure to get to know even more about your story too. Yes. Thank you.